Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Impact the World, which we recorded during the coronavirus lockdown. So my guests and I met over Zoom instead of our usual experience of being together here in the studio. My guest is Dean Graziosi, who is world-renowned as a leading success coach. Dean has written multiple New York Times bestsellers. He is often considered the world's best real estate trainer and has himself created and run multiple nine-figure businesses. Yet what's so interesting about Dean is he came from incredibly humble beginnings. So what I thought might be interesting to talk to Dean about is what's the journey that he, his values, his interior world have gone through with such a change in his outer circumstances. So I was delighted he wanted to be on the show, and here is the conversation. So welcome, Dean. Great to have you here. It's good to be here, man. Good to be here. So it's interesting looking at your story and looking at your history. Business is in your blood. And you know, <laughs> one of the things that really struck me was especially the story about when you were in the 11th grade, going into business with your father on the collision shop. Could you perhaps share a little bit about that experience and how that formed you at such a young age? Yeah, you know, I, you know. Uh, first off, Lee, it's a pleasure to be here and congratulations for all the impact you're making on the world and and giving back. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, my team was bragging about you, so that's why I'm, uh, oh. it's an honor to be here. Um, so 11th grade, I never got asked that question. I love when I get a question I've never been asked. So 11th grade, I want to tell you. So uh, eighth grade, I moved in with my dad. My parents were split. Uh, I started working with my dad every day in his collision shop, even in eighth grade. Uh, my dad didn't make much money. Really hardworking guy. It was one of the early lessons of my life, Lee, is uh, equating, you know, people always say, you want to get wealthy, you want to be financially independent, you got to work hard. Working hard has nothing to do with success. If you work hard on a bad golf swing and you work it every day, you just anchor in a really bad golf swing, right? It's working hard in the right direction with the right guidance, with the right mentorship or, or instructions, right? Um, so I saw early on my dad worked really hard but didn't make much. But I, I, was, I wasn't that good in school. I had dyslexia and I struggled all the time and I, I just couldn't wait to get out of school. So in 11th grade... I had already been working with my dad more than not just like dabbling. Like after school, I went and went to work. I put a uniform on, fixed cars, paint, painted cars, changed brakes, changed engines, um, did everything, uh, wrote estimates. And so by 11th grade, I, I was already like working and getting things done, moving the needle. Long story short, 11th grade, I got out of school half a day and went to work. And my father made me a 20% partner in the collision shop which was pretty amazing. He actually called it Paul. And his name is Paul. Mine is Dean. He called it Paul and Dean Auto Body. And he said, you know, I know you're not going to, he said, you're not going to go to college. So you have a future here. It was something, right? I mean, my dad probably only made $30,000 a year on a good year, but it was something and it was his. Um, and I didn't know much about business. I knew what I didn't like about it. Um, and you, you guide me down any part you want. So that part was exciting. The hard part was, 
is at a really early age, I don't know what it was, Lee, and maybe maybe you said something that's pretty cool. Like I was born to be in business. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's how it happens. But here's what I noticed. My dad made decisions and had habits that caused him not to make a lot of money, that caused customers to be frustrated, to be just quite honest. He didn't have patience for people. He didn't have patience for insurance adjusters that didn't agree with him. And he would be violent and yell and, and, and his reputation wasn't that great. People were, you know, and I, I noticed it early on, but I also noticed there was other people in my town that were older than me, Joey Noto, uh, Dominic Afuso, a couple older guys, and they made different choices. Like they just acted a little different. My dad didn't even like them, but I ended up being friends with them. Another buddy, Frank, they're all older than me. Mark Miller, he was 30, 40 years older than me. And I, I was able to gain different capabilities. Maybe, maybe a better way is just a different way to approach life, different way yeah. to approach decisions. And by 12th grade, um, we were partners. By the year out of high school, we were 50-50 partners. He told me if we hit certain numbers, he would make me a 50-50 partner. And by the time we got to 50-50 partners, we were fighting three or four days a week because it was old school versus new school. Mm. And I really was obsessing. A couple of years in, I bought Tony Robbins courses and I had completely different mindset. And mm. everything I thought to him was just like, it was the, the uh, absolute opposite of what he was taught, what he thought. And I remember thinking, <clears throat> dad, but you, you know, you struggle. Let's try this. And, and I ended up closing a enterprise rent-a-car account, uh, which was, for me, one of the big rental car companies here in America that <clears throat> changed the business totally. And I wanted to start a tow truck company and he said, absolutely not. So I did it without his permission. I went and bought my first tow truck and uh, we literally was the first fist fight of our lives. My dad, I didn't fist fight back, but I got hit and swung at me and was wow. just like, that. now here's the thing. I love my dad. He's one of the dearest people in my life right now. And my dad was the youngest of 11 and my dad was physically abused his entire life. Mm -hmm. Like knocked his teeth, his father knocked his teeth out when he was in second grade. So mm -hmm. like my father never it. hit yeah. me. That, my father never hit me. He was violent because he had rage, but he never hit me. Yeah. Um, anyway, long story short, um, my, and I don't know how far you want me to go. Reel me back in, but. but no, it's great. I got, Please I got Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I got Hertz Rent-A-Car. And then I had a tow truck company. And I took this little shop that my dad never made more than a hundred grand. Uh, or never made more than $35,000 in a year. And the year out of high school, two years out of high school, I had taken that revenue. I started buying apartments and I had a $250,000 net profit year. Um, and um, that year my dad couldn't handle it. And my dad left. My dad literally packed up his stuff and said, you want to run it the way you are? You think you're a big shot? You'll fail in six months without me. And he was gone. So at 21 years old, that collision shop was mine. I named it Dean Collision Center. My dad was gone. We didn't talk for a whole year. And we ended up going in double and then triple business. Uh, ended up having a dream one night about my dad. I went and talked to him and we bonded and he came back and apologized and said he couldn't handle it. It was ego and I was right. And uh, my dad came back to work for me. And uh, we've had a great relationship ever since. I, I don't know what part of that you want. I never even, I've never even told that story before. That was the most vulnerable I've ever told that. So, Well, thank you because, you know, it's interesting, Dean. I knew we had limited time today. And I think one of your, I think one of the things about you that's so fascinating, it was many things, but you've had this incredible career. And I think you've had the kind of career that so many of us are taught to aspire to, whether we genuinely aspire to it or not. You know, you've had the outer status, the outer success, 
the financial wealth. But what I found interesting in researching a little more of your story and kind of looking into your materials and things is, you know, one of the things I like about you is you've got that inner and outer balance and you talk about that. You you even talk at one point about losing your way a little bit with the inner side of things and realizing you had to bring your soul back into your into your work. And now, you know, that's one of the things that you teach. So yeah. the reason I wanted to just dive straight in with with that moment was it when I was looking into you, it was like that seemed really formative. And and yeah, I didn't know the piece you've just shared about it's amazing when you think, you know, our, our dads are the, the ones that we, you know, depending on the father you have, worship, uh, look up to, they anchor us, whether it's a good relationship or not. And in a way to have to go, to have that conflict with your father. Yeah, it was, it, so you know, I say, it, I say it now with like a passing, but it was one of the saddest moments of my life. My dad, I'd pass him on the road for a year and he'd look the other way, right? And, yeah. and, and the other thing... Um, Here's here's the best part, Lee, for everybody listening, everybody watching. I know you have lots of options. Here's the best part is I hope today in this conversation, take what serves you and throw the rest, rest away. I said, the, the be, I mean, the best way to look at it is no matter where you are, backs up against the wall, uh, especially the shift in the world right now, you feel really desperate. I've been there. I've been broker than broke, scared, had a bleeding ulcer in my 20s, worried about so many things. I've also been where I, where I got that momentum and got to a hundred grand a year and got to a hundred grand a quarter and a hundred grand a month. And then I lost it all by bad decisions and trying to grow. And as entrepreneurs, like right now, the carpet gets pulled out from entrepreneurs, but as you grow and you collect wisdom and you follow some key fundamental principles of mindset and personal growth, it's all part of the journey. And I just want to share that I've been through every experience. That was a really brutal time in my life. My dad left and he did handle a lot of the business. I had to figure it all out. And I ended up over a couple of years doubling and then quadrupling uh, the business. And I have to tell you, when my dad came back, um, I know that's, we're not talking about, you know, psychology here, but when my dad came back, he was never my dad again. He was kind of yeah. like a son. Like he came back, apologized and said, I've been doing life wrong for a long time. Look what you've done in two years. I have not been able to do this. He started in business in 1958. And he said, I haven't been able to do this in 30 years. And you did it in two. I'm wrong. You're right. Tell me what to do. And since then, I've been giving my dad a paycheck every week since that day. That was 30. Beautiful. That was 30 Almost 30 years ago, I've never missed a paycheck. I buy him, a, I just bought him a brand new car. I buy him a new car every two years. I bought him a house last year um, and I love him and he's a great dude. And, uh, you know, sometimes, but, but here's the thing that I think the, the biggest takeaway from that, Lee, mm. and is that because my dad was very violent, because I had to read my dad, and, and this is the part I want everybody to hear because I know all of you have obstacles in your life. All of you have things in your way. All of you have limiting beliefs. All of you have that inner self-doubt that calls you an imposter to want to go to that next level, to get to 1 million, 10 million, 100 million, a billion, whatever it is you desire. We always have those voices. But what if all of these things in our life were designed by somebody greater than us, whether you believe mm -hmm. in God, your maker, the universe, they were all put in there to make you the man, the woman that you are destined to be if you could just realize it. Listen, I think I'm one of the best on camera to persuade and get people to take action. I go up on stages of 15,000 people and I get to impact their lives. Do you know why I feel them? Do you know why I can go on camera and speak from my soul and not be afraid to be vulnerable? And, and I'm not a professional speaker, but there's not many people except for my dear friend, Tony Robbins, but not many people can do what I do on stage. 
it's because my dad was so violent and because he would erupt and go crazy. What I figured out was I could tell when my dad, I could intuitively feel my dad going down a place where he's going to be violent and crazy and break every window and, and throw dishes. And I could feel that like in a hyper sensitivity and I could lean him back through love and compassion and get him to be my dad that would take me fishing. Well, when I was in it, I'm like, oh man, poor me. My kids don't, my friends don't have to go through this. But because I was chosen by God or the universe to go through that, I could stand on stage of 18,000 people. And I don't know if it's truly, but I feel like I feel every one of them. I think I feel what they need. And sometimes I'll go there and I think I'm going to talk about that. And I'm five minutes in and I go, no, they don't need that. They need this today. And I'll get the only standing ovation. And that was my gift from God or the universe that I had a dad that was very violent and would be, that was my gift. I wouldn't change any of it. But I'm so lucky that I acknowledge that because I have a lot of friends where it wasn't their gift, it was their anchor. And I think that's one thing, I wasn't planning on talking about that today, but if that's one thing you could take away this, take from, uh, from this interview is what if the thing you think is holding you back is actually your gift from the universe to take you to where you want to go? Well, in your book, The Underdog Advantage, the tagline is rewrite your future by turning your disadvantages into superpowers. And yeah. You know, the people who, who know me for my work and, and what I've been doing this past 16 years is really working with the soul intuitively, why we're here, what's our spiritual life, what's our human life and how do they intersect. So what to me is really powerful about your story is usually it's that challenging moment that, you know, that dark night of the soul that's the turning point around our strength and around building a new foundation of who we become. So yeah. That's perfect, really. You know, uh, it kind of it kind of says so much. But I'm curious to kind of just jump forward a little bit. So, you know, you have this big career. You're on television. You're, you know, one of the world's best around real estate, around coaching, so many different things. There's a there's something that you said, and I can't remember whether I read it in the book or whether it was something I was listening to. You talked about uh, the story that we tell ourselves and how you have to work with your story, the inside story that you're telling yeah. yourself, which really is what we're, what we're talking about here. You yeah. have to kind of break the story that you'd agreed to with your dad in order to become the next level of who you are and give him a transformation too. Yeah. It's fantastic. <clears throat> how, how willing or unwilling do you find a lot of entrepreneurs, people who want to do their thing in the world, how, how willing or unwilling do you find people around changing their story? Yeah, Lee, I'm really enjoying this, man. I know this is the first time we've ever communicated, but I could tell your depth of caring and your depth of emotional intelligence. I could feel the, the, the questions behind the questions. I don't know if that's a, even, a, even a proper yeah. way to say it, but I understand where you're coming from. And I just want to tell you, well, I, I feel you, man, and I appreciate it. And by the way, the, the people who tune into this show they will have all just identified you as an empath with what you described about being on stage, you know, that that, that ability to feel yeah. and sense. So, and, yeah. and we have, a, you know, a lot of empaths who follow, follow our work. So, yeah. Thank well, that's you great. So um, here's the thing. I know, I know we've all heard it, right? The story we tell ourselves, the results we get, we've heard it, we say it, we feel it, but, but it really, it's, I think it's an ongoing journey. Like, and this is a silly cliche, but if you want to be in good shape, you got to go to the gym all the time, right? Mm -hmm. You can't work out for a weekend and be in great shape for the rest of your life, right? It's the same way when it comes to the internal dialogue, right? I know we can, Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul, and, D, and Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, great books. But reading it is one thing. 
listening to it is another thing, but really embodying it is different. And what I loved about your question is how do, how do I see that story probably in my own life, but other entrepreneurs as well? And here's what I see. A really good question. So I love the, the angle you took is because I see where entrepreneurs get frustrated where they got from zero, let's just say zero to, I'm using round numbers. They got to zero to a million a year. And they're so darn frustrated that somebody in their same space that they feel they're just as smart as has gone to 10 million and they're stuck at a million. And the reason they're stuck at a million is not because of their marketing. It's not because of where they live. It's not because of who the president is. It's not because Facebook marketing got harder or the Google slap. It's because the story they told themselves was strong enough to get them to a million a year, but that same story can't take them to 10 million. The story that gets you out of Egypt is not the story that can take you to the promised land. Mm. And that's where I see people stuck. And the difference, and listen, I've been really fortunate. I'm not saying it to brag. I'm not like the cool guy that Richard Branson called and said, let's hang out. It's because I, I raised a million dollars for Virgin Unite years ago. And, and he invited me to his island for a week. And I got up at five and so was he. Everybody else was asleep. So he's like, hey, come sail with me. And we became friends, right? Why does somebody like Branson get to be a billionaire, had troubles in school, quit seventh grade, right? quit seventh, eighth grade. His mom said, if you want to quit, go ahead, start your newspaper, right? How, how does he go on to be a billionaire? And somebody else they went to school with maybe had more intelligence, went, had a better, like, and they didn't. It's really just the story Branson told himself along the whole journey. And at every level, you have to reinvent the story or your old story will keep you where you were, right? It's like that, that I, don't, I think it's in 12 step, they say your best thinking got you here right? Mm -hmm. Your best story got you here. Yeah. So if you feel stuck at a certain level, it's time to reinvent your story. And I know this is a, this is, this is relevant to what's going on in the world right now with all the COVID and the shutdowns. But as an amazing example, uh, I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, but I have lots of people I do business with that live in Salt Lake City and Utah. And my one buddy lives down the street from where there's two restaurants within a quarter of a mile each of each other. <clears throat> and he knows both the owners. And he told me a story about a month, three weeks ago, and it just stuck with me. And, and this is a really simple analogy that you guys already get. If you're following Lee, you get this on a deep level, but I'm just going to still remind you, like sometimes the best interviews are just reminder services of the things you should be doing, right? I'm not inventing anything new. I'm just shaking you to say, let's do this. But two restaurants, he knows both owners. When all this happened and it was shut down, one got really frustrated and mad and was blaming China and was blaming President Trump and was blaming that the stimulus money. And he then when the PPP money came, which is here in America is helping people with their payroll businesses, he missed the payroll and it didn't come and it was someone's fault. Just bitter and angry as his restaurant is closed down doing no business. Across the street, down about a quarter of a mile, is three brothers that own a um, barbecue uh, restaurant that was really busy. The moment they found this happen, he said the three of them went to Lowe's, they got lumber and they spent all weekend and they built this outer building and they, they encapsulated it so no wind can come through. They moved their kitchen around so their workers could be three, four, six feet apart. And within 24 to 48 hours, they had this thing built, fired up and they're doing barbecue where you just drive in, put down your window and with a plastic glove on, they hand you the food. They're doing three times the business they did when they were open. Now, what's different? The outside circumstance, COVID hit, the world shut down, there's nothing we can do. One has a story that this is someone else's fault, someone better fix this, mm -hmm. I'm mad. 
and one person is thriving. In five years from now, one's going to look back and say, that damn COVID and the president put me out of business. The other one's going to say, that damn COVID tripled our business. Now we have six restaurants, right? I know that's a simple analogy, but that's just life. The story we tell, the story that that gentleman had who built the one restaurant was a good enough stuff to get him out of Egypt. He got into a restaurant. But when the shit hit the fan and things went sideways, he didn't have a good enough story to get him to the promised land. Got him out of Egypt, but didn't take him to the promised land. Those three brothers got a new story and look where they are. And that's the, you know, are we willing to adapt and innovate? And, you know, one of the things that I was passionate about from my late teens was self-development, metaphysics. Uh, that was like my hobby and my passion. I never, oh, thought it would awesome. be, I never thought it would be a job. I never thought I would end up being in that field. And one of the things that I talk to the entrepreneurs I work with is I say it's the biggest self-growth journey you'll ever go on. Like for me, my hobby was self-growth and self-development. And then it became, you know, my, my life. And it still is the underscore, but I've also found business is its own self-growth journey. And you have to be willing to adapt and innovate, not just in what you're doing in the world, but also internally, like you said, keep letting go of the story of who you were in order to move into the new circumstances. But it's, it's interesting, it's challenging, because I think hardwired into our brains is we want the comfort, we want the safety, yeah. we want the security, which of course doesn't even exist. Like if you really think about it, none of those things actually exist. No, they don't. And, <laughs> and I think, you know, there's two things. I, I just told somebody the other day, I think I was born a pessimist and I've worked my whole life to be an optimist, right? My, my default is that's not going to work. You're not that smart. Mm. They're going to figure out that you're an imposter. Like I, mm. it doesn't matter how much success I've been blessed to have more than I could have ever imagined possible. I'm telling you, I still have that voice that will pop its head up and say, we can't yeah. do this. And what if they find out you're, you're not who they think you are? Uh, I still have it. It's not that the voice goes away. Mm. It's the ability to find that inner strength that overpowers it and said, that voice was never right. That voice will have me uh, live with regret. That voice will not allow me to tap into my full potential. I got to find this other voice that says, we can do this. We got through it before. We'll learn as we go. This is just part of the journey, right? So I think we all are a little, you know, crazy with those two voices inside of us. And I think we are somewhat hardwired to find comfort and safety, right? Sometimes when someone says, well, why why am I so afraid to take action in that business or or scale to another level? I said, because... I mean, I look at things weird, but I, I said it's the subconscious just screaming, hey, we're okay. We're in a good place. Let's not mess with this. Like, I think of like your ship is in a bay and the bay is calm and you're around other ships. In fact, your ship might be a little bit bigger than the other people in the bay. But man, you're bored to tears. You're in a, you're in a bay that you don't belong. You know that there's a bigger ocean for you. Mm-hmm. But the only way to the bigger ocean is you got to go, you got to sail your ship through a storm. So, so many people put the front of their ship into the storm. And they go, ah, this is a little crazy. Let's go back to the bay. Right. And that's our subconscious back to the bay, back to the calm. And it's like, no, if I want to get to another level of life, I got to brace up. I got to get ready to get sick and get through that storm. But on the other side of that storm is your next level. Right. And it's it's just finding a way to embrace the storm. Yeah. So it's funny because I always I always I mean, I say this and I think and I feel this truth. It's not we're afraid of success, not failure. Really, I feel so I'm. I'm curious, you have had this hugely transformational experience in your life. Your, your life circumstances have, you know, for many people's standards, it's a, it's a Cinderella story. 
I'm curious, tell us from the vantage point of going through this massive arc, what is one of the benefits that people might not realize about getting to the position that you're in? And I'm not talking about form. I'm talking about feeling or experience that we maybe wouldn't think about while we're looking at the lifestyle or, or you know, not worried about money or... Yeah, really good, really good. So w- great question that I've never answered. So I might answer it in a couple different ways. Right. One is um, it's allowed me to really identify what success means to me. I mean, really identify, not what I thought it was. There was a time where I bought the fancy cars and I, like, I, I love, listen, when people say that money doesn't buy happiness, I say you haven't given enough away yet. Like, don't tell me you, it doesn't buy happiness. When you can solve, check solves problems. Yeah. When my mom needs my mom needs surgery or needs something, I can cut a check. That problem, I retired my mom 20 something years ago too. Um, like, that's just not true. Um, so I'll, I'll get to that benefit, but the thing is it allowed me to, here's, okay. I'm thinking as this answer, but here's the best answer to that is when money is no longer an issue. My father worried about money his whole life. Yeah. Right. So if you worry about money, it's like, you wouldn't think about the oxygen in the air here. You wouldn't say, Oh, I'm, Oh, look, there's oxygen. But if someone grabbed your throat and you were strangled, the only thing you would think about is air. So, so many people are strangled financially and it occupies their thoughts more than they realize. So they can't go back in and heal their six-year-old self or heal heal that they were molested or heal that they felt abandoned by their father or heal that their first wife or first husband cheated on them and left them. They don't have time to heal. They don't have time to do the deep work. They don't have time to work on their person. They're in survival mode. They have to pay the bills this month. So they go on and what do they do? They drink a couple drinks a week. They have, you know, relationships they shouldn't. They just numb themselves while they're trying to survive. And I have to say the biggest byproduct to me, when money got out of the way, I had to look in the mirror and go, I need to fix me. I'm still all hosed up from my childhood. Like I have, if I'm going to attract the best woman in my life, I'm going to be a best dad in my life. I'm going to be a great leader. If I'm going to impact people, the money's out of the way. Holy crap. I'm in the mirror now. And I, I, I went on a 10 year journey working on me, Lee. I, I, listen, I was divorced and I'm remarried. I'm in the greatest relationship in my life. I fall more in love with my wife every single day. She, fortunately, she falls more in love with me every single day. We got a six-week-old baby right now. It's oh, amazing. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, little Luca Graziosi. Wow. But here's the thing. I never could have, you know, people always say, you know, this relationship didn't work. They look for the next woman or man to mm-hmm. be there to fix them. And I had to fix me. I had to become a better version. I, I attracted an amazing woman in the other room because I became a better man. I have incredible kids. It's not by luck. I became a better man, but I couldn't have done that. My parents could have never done that. My dad, my dad never had the time to work on himself. He had to pay the bill and he was strangled by money. So one of the biggest byproducts is when the money is not a worry, you are exposed mm. and it's time to work on the better version of yourself. And then secondly, um, knowing what I've really identified what success means to me, which is being a good husband, being a good dad, being a good leader with my team, because I love my team, they're like family. And number four is making an impact on the world. And I pretty much say the hell with everything else. I don't do pretty much, I don't do anything and I don't need to. That's that's my life. People ask me, how do you get so much done? Because I say no to everything. I do, I legit say no to everything and I can. And and um, and then the last piece is, you know, um, my, my dear friend Tony Robbins had a, a 60th birthday party. Um, 
big party and, and he wanted the whole party to, because his life is service as well, he wanted to give, uh, raise money for Operation Underground Railroad, uh, help women in slavery around the world. You know, a lot of them, even, even um, uh, you know, I, 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 I just, I'm in shock because I'm stuttering because it exposed it so much. Um, Al-Qaeda, that's what I was thinking. Al-Qaeda has been stealing young women and selling them and using that money to buy arms. And they're like saving, there's, so, there's tens of thousands of them. It's crazy. And they're raped and molested and taken when they're 12 years old. I don't mean to uh, uh-huh. make anything sad about this. It just hit my heart. I didn't even know it was at, at that depth. And it was Tony's birthday and everybody started donating. And, and his whole birthday was about that. They didn't celebrate Tony. They want, his celebration was let's raise more money than anyone's ever done and let's rescue these kids around the world. And he's got this amazing organization he works with that goes in and gets them. They're, old Na- they're ex-Navy SEALs, Lee, and they go in backpacks. They pretend they're there to try to buy the girls and they take them down and steal all the girls, put them on buses and put them in rehab. Unbelievable, right? Um, but I have to tell you, I was there. I was in the moment. I saw what was going on. I raised my hand and I donated $500,000. Wow. And I was the second biggest donor of the night. And I'm not saying that to brag, I was going to donate that much money from the year prior. I just didn't, every year I donate a, a big chunk. I didn't know where, I usually split that up, but this was so important. I had the ability to do it. And I can't tell you what, I got goosebumps talking, thinking about it now. It's like, I want to do more. Like I'm, I'm going to work harder this year so I can double that next year yeah. because, you know, we had the opportunity. I have the opportunity to be blessed in that way and I want to help other people. So I hope that answered your question. It was three kind of long Completely. answers. No, thank you. That's fantastic. And And it's funny because one of the things that, especially this last couple of years in my own work, when people thank me for what I do, like I, you know, it's lovely because that means it's had an effect on them, but you don't need any thanks at this point. Like, you know, maybe 10 years ago I needed thanks because I was struggling more. And like the thanks is the ability to be in a position to do it. And, you know, that is a blessing in itself. So, you know, I, for me that that looks different but what you're describing is 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 um fantastic because that that really is like you said that's the gift of money being able to use it to be a positive force in the world whether it's money or energy or time or anything yeah that stuff. absolutely dean do you have time for me to just ask you one more question yeah i do i do thank you i, thank I got you. a hard like i got 10 minutes i'll just be very quick but this is really important you just talked about saying no to everything um I think that's one of the things a lot of people struggle with. And I also know the truth of until you say no, you aren't free and available to say yes. So you have to start learning to say no. Any tips from your journey of learning to say no yeah. that might be helpful to people who are still at the beginning of theirs? Yeah, so here's the hard part. There is a shift that yes got you here, right? So if you are listening to Lee, if you have success in your life, you said yes to working more hours than someone else. You said yes to working on personal growth when other people were binging on Netflix. You said yes to listening to amazing podcasts like this and taking notes right now and figuring out how to implement it in your life. Yes to uh, helping friends out when no one else would. If you're listening to an interview like this, you have been a yes person where lots of people have been like, nah, I ain't doing that, right? But there's a certain time where the only way you can get, I'll use the same analogy I said before, yes gets you out of Egypt but no will take you to the promised land. Mm. There has to be this transition to know that the yes has got you here, but now it's time to define the things that actually move the needle in your life. You see, 
it's a fact. We're all way busier than we ever were at any point in history and time. Electronics have just allowed us to do a lot more quicker. So none of you, we're all busy. But there's things you do and that you do on a daily basis and a weekly basis that don't serve you. They don't serve your bigger future. They don't actually move the needle. They're busy work. It's things that you become accustomed to or you have a habit and you don't even realize it takes away it's it, it takes away who you want to be. Even though you crave you want to be somebody else, you're saying yes to the things that keep you busy but don't actually move the needle. Now we could use so many different terms, the things that actually take you towards a bigger future, more income, more wealth. You know, it's like, it's like somebody starting a business and they obsess for six months over the logo and the name, but when it comes to marketing, they spend three minutes. They're not working on the things that actually move the needle, not doing the research in the areas that will move the needle. So what I'd say is audit your time this week. Literally spend this week. You're worth it. Your next level's worth it. Your next 20 years is worth it. Audit what you do all week and then look down and judge it and just say, does that really help me? Does that make me feel good about me? Does that actually make me feel bad about myself? Is that an old habit that used to serve me, but it doesn't serve me anymore? And you got to make the hard decisions to say, I'm never doing that again. In fact, there's three things you could think of. You could automate some things in your life. Like just figure out everything you can do in your life that you can automate right? There's other things you can delegate, friends, family, um, a, a virtual assistant from the Philippines at $5 an hour, obsess on the things that you can outsource, that you can delegate to someone else. And remember, usually if you can open up four hours, you can do what you do best and get an ROI on that time, right? So mm. automate, delegate. And then the biggest one is eliminate. What are the things you just just got to stop doing? Seriously, the, the thing you used to do with your buddies that used to be cool, it's not cool anymore. Don't do it right? Going hanging out with negative friends. Like there's a million things that you could say no to. And then what I'd say is when that time opens up, fill it with the things that take you to another level. Like if you find four hours a week, only do things that move the needle. And uh, that's how I just do that on a continuous basis. And I'm always fine tuning what's, what's the needle movers, what's got to go. Awesome. Dean, thank you so much for being with us today. I know everybody who's listening or watching is going to get so much from this. And good luck with everything that you're doing in this coming year. Well, thanks, man. You're awesome. Keep up the good work and uh, let's do this again sometime. That would be great. Thank you. You have been listening to Impact the World. For more of my work, please visit leeharrisenergy.com. If you are an entrepreneur, creative, healer, or change maker who wants to take your work to the next level in the world, consider joining my Own Your Value online course. Online video and audio plus live calls with me beginning May 26th and registration closes on June 7th. Visit leeharrisenergy.com or use the links below this video or audio.